Well, I waited 36 years for my bride, and it seemed like that uh, there were times in my life, really from about 18 on, I, th- I wanted to be married, and it just seemed like I had some opportunities, but never really the right one, and then God brought Jean into my life, and that was just like perfect for me. Uh, it wasn't so great for her, but it was really great for me. And uh, by God's grace, we get to be husband and wife. Well, this morning, uh, we're, we're looking at the relationship between Christ and the church, the believers, and this unique relationship, we're calling it here the groom and the bride, and Jesus, of course, is the groom and we're the bride, and we're going to see how this fits together, and we'll get a little background, and I think that it's going to take this week and next week, and I think you'll be excited about it, especially even more next week, there's some really good things in that as well. And think about this, when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, it is an amazing change. We go from death to life from darkness to light, from a child of the devil to a child of God. I mean, there's a lot of different things. And we see that God calls a lot of, uh, he describes us a lot of ways. He calls us believers and Christians and brethren and saints and set-apart ones and children of God. But one of the ways that he calls us is the church, which is the called-out ones. We talked about this. The, the Greek word ekklesia means called out. And what happens is the moment we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, we're called out from a fallen world and placed in Christ, and Christ is the body, and the body of Christ is the church. And sometimes people are confused. We know that the church is not the building. People say things like, where is, where is your church? And we could say, you mean, where does the church meet? What building does it meet in? This, because that's what, and then people sometimes say, are you going to have church? Like church is an event. No, church is the body of Christ, which is the believers. So we say, yeah, the believers are going to gather at a particular time. Yeah, that's the event. But uh, So uh, th- when you think about the church, we're talking about us, the, the body of Christ. And so as we look at it, we said that there's seven ways that we're looking at this study. And this is what we did. We said, here's Christ. He's the shepherd. We've already seen that one, and we're the sheep. And the emphasis was salvation. And then we said Christ is the groom. That's the one for today. We're the bride, and the emphasis is the relationship. Then we say he's going to be the last Adam in the new creation. By the way, that's all. this is the hardest one. Because we, you have to see how is, our, how is our new creation tied within the last Adam because we're a new person. Then we're going to say he's the great high priest and we're priests. And the whole emphasis is worship. We're going to say he's the vine and we're the branches. The emphasis is our growth, producing fruit. We're going to see that he's the head, we're the body, and we're going to see the whole idea of service. And then finally, one of my favorites is he's the cornerstone and then we're the building blocks. And the whole thing ultimately comes into evangelism. So there's some great things we're going to see over these weeks. We've seen the first one we saw already that, I don't know, there it goes. It's Christ as a shepherd and believers are the sheep. And so this morning, we're going to look Christ as the bridegroom and believers as the bride. And I think it's some unique things. So let's remind ourselves of what we saw last week. And that's, he's the shepherd. Christ is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I think, I think, I, I if I'm remembering, I sometimes get mixed up, but I think one of the songs this morning in the service deals with Christ as the shepherd. In fact, one of the verses that we, that we put up on the screen while the song is going on is talking about the shepherd who is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. We said that there were three things we saw last week, that the shepherd is the way of life for the sheep, that the shepherd dies for the sheep, and the shepherd gives eternal life to the sheep. And so the emphasis there was that salvation aspect. And so there's some really neat things. Well, this morning, we're going to look at the bride and the groom. And, I, and one of the beautiful descriptions found in the Bible is that we're the bride of Christ. He's the groom. We're the bride. And that, that's how it all fits together. And why would God, I mean, you can almost see why God would say shepherd and sheep. 
Because when you look through the whole Bible, you see all these believers, even in the Old Testament, Moses, think about Moses. Moses was going to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and he was trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. But that wasn't good enough. God put him on the backside of the desert for 40 years being a shepherd so that when he came back, he would shepherd the nation of Israel. And we can all understand how God would say uh, that God is the, that he's the great shepherd and we're the sheep. But when you think about bride and groom, some people say, that, why would he be the groom and we be the bride? How does, that, how does that fit? Well, I think there's several things that he wants to show us in this. He wants to show us a love relationship. Because God loves us, and his, he has great love for us and our love for him. Just like in a marriage between a bride and a groom, they love each other. And then the second thing that he wants to show us is the different roles between what, what is the groom supposed to do and what is the bride supposed to do. And we'll see how that ties together. And, and so I want you to, and in fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22, if you're in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 22, and going all the way to verse 33, is basically the husband-wife relationship, the bride and the groom relationship. And we see what that is. I want you to notice, and I'm, I'll just put it up there like this. Look at verses 22 through 24. Look what the wife is supposed to do. That would be us, by the way. Notice he says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as notice, Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. As the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So the first aspect we see just reading that is that we as the church submit to Christ. Then notice he goes on and says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself as the husband end of it. And a human husband is supposed to love his wife. Well, as Christ loved us. And so you can see this connection, how the wife submits to the husband as the church submits to Christ, as the husband loves the wife as Christ loves the church. So there's some really great things. He ends the passage almost almost to the very end, but in verse 32, he's been describing husband, wife, husband, wife, husband, wife, husband, wife, and then look at verse 32. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking in reference to what? To Christ and the church. So we go all the way through about the roles of husbands and wives, and then at the end he says, oh, by the way, though, this is a mystery, and I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. So as we look at this, we're going to see, some, I think, some pretty neat things. Now, we may go pretty quickly on this one this morning. Uh, next week, there's more details, and then there's going to be something really neat I'll show you. So this lesson this morning, we're going to look at the role of the groom, which is the husband, what is the husband supposed to do in the relationship? And what we realize, uh, the husband, that this is what the man does. This is what Christ does. And we'll see that. And then next week, we're going to see the role of the bride as the wife, and that's going to be us. What do we do? And then I'm going to end it by looking at a Jewish wedding, which ties in with us and Jesus. It may surprise you. I've done this before. I've taught how a Jewish wedding worked and how they were betrothed, and how it worked, and how many days, and all the different things. We'll end next week by taking a look at that, and what you'll see is how a Jewish wedding worked is exactly how Jesus deals with us. It's pretty amazing. It's really beautiful. We'll see that. So let's start with the, yeah, the role of the groom, the husband. What is the husband to do? This is what Christ does. Now, I do premarital counseling when I, I think I've married 300 and six people, something like that, uh, but who's counting? But anyway, I think that I have, and, and you know, when I do premarital counseling, we sit down, and we, we, we go to this passage, and we say, okay, what's the role of the husband? 
And, and I have the guy actually go through, what is his role? What does it say he's supposed to do? And then we say, what is the role of the wife? And we go through, and what is she supposed to do? Well, in this, this morning, since we're seeing that Christ is the groom and we're the bride, so we're going to see what does the, 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 the groom do? What does the husband do? What, what is he supposed to do? Because this is what Christ does. So I want you to look, first of all, at verse 25. Notice what it says. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So when you think about the husband, first of all, husband is to, says love your wives and love your wives. And, and by the way, when we think about love and, and our culture is so mixed up, I mean, people say, I don't love them anymore. Or, I loved them, but now I don't love them. I don't have any feelings anymore. Love, love isn't a feeling. Love is a commitment. Love is an action. God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his son. He didn't say, God so loved the world, he really felt good about us. It has nothing to do with feelings. Love is an action. Love, love has feelings with it, but love is an action. It's a commitment. It's not a feeling. So when it says, husbands love your wives, and that's what a husband is to do, to love his wife. And we're going to talk about it and, and, and see what exactly does he do. Because it goes on to say, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so what we realize is that just as the Christ loved the church and gave himself up, the husband to love his wife in the same way. Let's talk for a minute about what Christ did, because he's our groom, right? And he says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that mean? God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, what? What happened? Christ died for us. God showed us his love by dying for us. In the same way the husband is to love his wife, and I'm going to say it in the nicest way, but it's true, the man is to love his wife enough to die for her. That's in the same way that Christ loves us so much. That's why he says, husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loved us enough to die for us. I think of Philippians 2, where he left the glories of heaven to come and to die on the cross. He says, humbled himself to be obedient to death, even the death on the cross. We've already seen in John 10 where he's talking about being a shepherd, but what does he say? He says he lays down his life. I love 1 John 4.10, and this is love. Not that we love God, but God loved us and sent his son to be the, and that word propitiation is sort of a big word, but it literally means a payment, a satisfactory payment. He, he sent, he, God, and this is love. Not that we love God, but God loved us, sent his son to be the payment for our sin. See, the only thing that God is satisfied in is the payment of Jesus Christ. You can't satisfy God. Let me just say that. Based on your sin and my sin, we can never satisfy God. We can't do anything that God would say, that's good. You did it. No, because all we like sheep have gone to streets on our own way. We've all sinned. Come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. The righteousness of man is filthy rags. There's not one thing we could give to God that he would go, that's pretty good. I'm pretty satisfied with that. The only thing he's satisfied in is the death of Jesus Christ because Jesus died in our place and made the satisfactory payment for our sins. That's the word propitiation. If you've ever had the 2-2 the study, we take like five or six lessons and go over key words like propitiation and justification, imputation, all those kind of words from the Bible, and they're there in the Bible. If you read 1 John 4.10, most Bibles will say, and this is love, not that we love God, but God loves us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the satisfactory payment. So what do we see first? The husband is to love his wife enough to die for her because Christ, as our husband, as our groom, loved us enough to do what? To die for us. Okay? There's a second thing. 
there's a second thing, and that is husbands are the, notice what he says, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the word, he might present her, and it goes on down, so husbands ought to do the same thing. Husbands set apart their wives and make them holy. Now, that's a little bit weird because we can't make somebody holy, but we can set apart the wife, and the first way you set apart the wife is you give her a new name. Just like the moment we trust in Jesus Christ, we get a new name, right? We were dead in sin, now we're alive in Christ. We were children of the devil, now we're children of God. And so the husband sets us apart, a wife, in that sense, by giving her a new name. But what does Christ do for us as our groom? What does he do? Christ sets apart the church. He does. He sanctifies us. Look at verse 26, because in verse 25 he says, And he gave himself up for her, who? The church, so that he might sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. And he goes on at the end of the verse and says, and they would be holy and blameless. Christ sets apart the church. The husband is supposed to set apart his wife and to help her, help her grow. Who is the, the spiritual head in a family? Who is it? It's supposed to be the man. Now, a lot of families it's not. I mean, you look back through history and you got the mama taking kids to church and the man sitting home reading the newspaper. He's not a spiritual leader, and he should be. He should be the one that helps set apart his family and set apart his wife. So we see that the husband does this. Now, how does, how does God set us apart? How does Christ set us apart? Well, he sanctifies us. He sets us apart. He gives us a new name. We're saints. We're holy. We're blameless. And what he does is he does two things. He declares us righteous, and he makes us righteous. Declares us righteous is called justification. Justification, that God declares us to be righteous, makes us righteous, is imputation in which he actually gives you his righteousness. So our groom gives us his perfect righteousness. That's unbelievable. Because how many of us come into Christ before we came to Christ had perfect righteousness? What did we actually have? We had really good unrighteousness. <laughs> We don't want to say perfect unrighteousness, but we had unrighteousness all the way like sheep had gone straight each one our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned. And yet when we believe in Jesus Christ, our groom says, I'm going to set you apart and make you holy and blameless. I'm going to declare you to be righteous. That's called justification. I'm going to make you righteous. That's called imputation where he gives us his righteousness. Wow. So far, so far, good stuff, so far. So what does the husband do so far? He is to love his wife enough to die for her, and he is to set her apart. What does our groom do for us? He loves us enough to die for us, and he did that, and then he sets us apart. Uh, we, we call that aspect sanctification. And let me just throw something out to you. The moment you believe in Christ, you are justified. At the very end, when you die or the Lord comes and gets you, or whatever, you're glorified. The sanctification thing is a process. It's from the time you believe in Jesus Christ until the time you either die, he comes to get you. We call that the Christian life. It's called sanctification in which we are being set apart to grow to be more and more like Christ. That's why the Bible says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, what were the calling? The Bible says, take the truths and apply them in your lives. Well, that's what sanctification is. Now, justification is guaranteed. Glorification is guaranteed. And at the end of your life, you are completely sanctified. 
But your Christian life, sanctification is not guaranteed. You're not guaranteed that you're going to automatically be holy and blameless as you go through the Christian life. And there are some people who put them together and say, if you're justified, you'll automatically live righteously and godly. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Saul, the first king of Israel, do you think he is a believer? How many of you think he's a believer? You don't think he's a believer? Or are you afraid to raise your hand? I think he's a believer. Let me ask you a question. Is Saul living righteously and godly? Does he live righteously and godly to the end? What happens to him in the end? He's killed. Gets killed in a battle. Guess what? The moment he met the Lord, he's sanctified. But he isn't in the Christian life. Or we'd say his life. Because mostly we say Christian life because we go back to Christ. And he didn't know him by Christ. He knew him by Messiah. So he declares us righteous, makes us righteous. It's very powerful. Here's the third one. He nourishes and cherishes us. Notice what he says. He says, so husbands ought to love their wives with their own body, loves them, and he goes on to say, for nobody, verse 29, nobody ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. The husband's supposed to nourish and cherish the wife just as Christ also does the church. So the third thing that the husband and, and the, our, the, the role of our Savior Jesus does is the husband is to nourish and cherish his wife. Now, nourish and cherishing, sometimes when we get to that passage, I'll say something in, in, you know, in counseling, and I'll say, what does nourish and cherish mean? And most people, don't, they, don't, they don't really know. They don't really think about it. They go, I, I don't know. I say, what happens? What do you mean to nourish something? When you say, well, sort of take care of them and I said, provide? Yeah, yeah. What does to cherish mean? Now, the old English word cherish means to love, but the Greek word cherish doesn't mean to love. It means to protect. So the husband's role is to what? Love and, uh, is to provide and protect. That's what he says. So that's why it says, but nobody ever had their own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, provides and protects, just as Christ does the church. Does Christ provide and protect us? Yes. He provides and protects. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Does he protect us? Hebrews 13, he'll never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear? So the role of the husband is, is to provide and protect. And what does Jesus do for us? He provides and protects. So let, let me throw this up there. And then we're going we're gonna to get out to touch early. But the picture of Christ as the groom he loves us enough to die for us because that's what the husband's supposed to do. He loves us enough to set us apart, makes us holy. That's what the husband's supposed to do. And he provides and protects. So in this relationship of Christ and the church, and he's the groom and we're the bride, he died for us, he sets us apart, and he provides and protects us. That's his role. Now, What's our role? What's our role as the bride? And, you know, if you read carefully in here, you'll find it. And so the next lesson is going to be the role of the bride, the wife. That's us. That's us, the church. So <clears throat> let's think about this. <clears throat> the relationship of Jesus to the church is the same as the groom to the bride. And the husband fulfill his role as Christ fulfilled the role. And we're going to see the wife is fulfill her role as the church, you know, in that sense. So let me give you some applications and then we'll go to grow group. Let's understand the picture of Christ and the church 
understand the picture of Christ and the church in the husband and wife relationship. Now, I, I think it's real easy to see him as the shepherd and we're the sheep, but it's not as easy to see him as the groom and we're the bride. In fact, I've had some guys say, I'm not a bride. I said, yeah, you are. I mean, you may not want to be a bride, but you're a bride, right? You know? And we are. So let's understand that picture. And I think there's a lot to it. And so we'll review a little bit on this next week before we get to the, bride, to the, to the, groom, the, the bride's part. But let's understand the role of the groom. As the husband, what does he do? He loves the wife enough to die for her. He is to make her holy, help her set apart. And that's why his leadership and role comes. And then he is to provide and protect. Now, that's what the Bible says. Our culture doesn't like any of this at all, by the way. I've done premarital counseling where the wife is very angry at, at the husband's role and her role. By the time we're through, she's not as angry. But uh, because sometimes they don't understand it. They read something like the word submit, and they say, I'm not submitting to any man. I say, well, you don't need to be married then. Because they don't know what submit means, Right? Don't be mad at me yet, please. Okay. okay, Husbands, love your wives enough to die to make holy, provide, and protect. But look, what did Jesus Christ do? He loved us enough to die for us. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He makes us pure, sets us apart, declares us righteous, makes us righteous. And what does he do? He provides and protects. There's so much there. Okay, now next week, I think it's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to look at our role, what we're supposed to do. And then we're going to talk about the Jewish wedding, which if you've never seen it, it's really exciting and we'll see that.